the reasons why my family had a nickname for me growing up. One of their nicknames was Motor Mouth Mike. <laughs> because I like to talk. And a lot of you might relate to that. You like to talk too. Or you know someone who likes to talk. We all know someone who likes to talk. Um, people love to talk. But here's the, here's the talker's struggle. Here's the thing that, and I don't want to say that it's just a talker's struggle, but I want to actually venture to say that it's everyone's struggle deep down inside, uh, that it's easier typically to talk than it is to listen. I mean, to, to truly listen. To set aside what we're thinking about and what we want to say and actually be present with someone and give someone our full undivided attention to listen to someone, to truly listen. The Bible says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak. To be quick to listen and slow to speak. Well, as you uh, notice from the bumper video, we are uh, in week two of our series, Broken Pulpit, where the church has gotten it wrong. And I just want to say that for tonight, just to clarify, when I'm talking about the church, I'm talking about both the big C church, the institution, and I'm also talking about us, the little C church. So the church holistically uh, is what I'm talking about today, and we're talking about how we as the church has gotten it wrong when it comes to listening. Just like James wrote that instruction to be quick to listen and slow to speak to the, to the early church, since then, the church, including myself, we've gotten it wrong. You see, we can push our agendas and we can push our views onto other people without listening to what they have to say. And if you've ever been into a conversation with someone when you're talking and then they get to talk and you're not really listening, but you're thinking about, oh, this is what I'm going to say when they're done. We all do it. <laughs> if, you, if you've done that, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. And, and these examples, they might, be not, might not be too dramatic, like inserting yourself into someone's date night or listening to someone when, and not listening and talking when they're talking or wanting to interject. These examples might not be dramatic, but the church's history for truly listening to others so that others can experience love, it's been far more severe. And the church has gotten it wrong. Systemic racism, that's been tied to the church. Gender inequality, neglect, abuse, and the list just goes on and on and on. And a lot of you here in this room right now, you've been on the recipient and the receiving end of some of these. And here's the thing. God has called the church to love. He's called us to love, but far too often we've gotten it wrong. Whether it's because we, we are afraid of being wrong or we feel like we just have this kind of sense of, of pride that we've gotten it right. We try to love, but we struggle to listen, to learn how to. To hear what, what others have to say on how they need to be loved. Because here's the thing. It's impossible to hear past what you're open to hear. 
if someone's starting to say something that you, want, you don't want to hear, we just internally have these, these walls, these doors, these windows that close, and, and we, we shut them out. We might, might not say it, but they can tell that we're shutting them out. And here's the thing. When we truly don't hear others, others don't want to truly hear us. And this has caused our pulpit to be broken, our influence to be shattered. And I know that I'm really coming on strong right now. You're new and you're probably like, what is this? Jeez, I need to leave. <laughs> I know I'm coming on strong right now, but God, this is a very real problem that the church has faced and that the church is facing. So because of that, for the rest of our time today, we're going to be talking about how we can learn to listen to others better so that we can love others better. Because in order to really love someone, you've really got to listen. And the first way we can do this is to listen regardless of who's talking. One day, uh, Jesus, he was uh, talking to some Pharisees, and when he was done talking with them, he withdrew to this pagan or this non-Jewish uh, territory. And while he was there, Matthew reads, a Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him, crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and is suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. Now, up to this point, Jesus had been primarily teaching and ministering to the Jewish people. I mean, you see, the Jewish people, they were the ones that had been waiting for a Messiah to come and save them. So to Jesus' disciples, Jesus' mission, this is what they understood of Jesus, is that Jesus was strictly to be there to minister to and save them. For the disciples and for most Jews, it was all about them, about no one else. That's why the disciples urged Jesus to, to send her away. Get her out of here. She's crying after us. Get her out. And notice that the disciples didn't urge Jesus to listen. The disciples didn't urge Jesus to help, but they urged Jesus to send her away. So noticing that this was the intention of the disciples' heart, Jesus reflected it. Matthew continues. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and, and then knelt before him, Lord, Help me, she said. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Whoa. Dang, Jesus. <laughs> that is some pretty harsh words. But you see, the division that the Jews had with everyone else was pretty harsh, especially a Canaanite and especially a Canaanite woman. The division ran deep. And that's why they weren't even viewed as equals. They were viewed as dogs. And again, it's important to understand that Jesus was, uh, was modeling the disciples' attitudes. Jesus acknowledged her, but he didn't listen to her. But this woman, she was going to be heard. Matthew continues, yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. 
Now, this conversation, this was happening before it was widely revealed or known that salvation would be and was intended to be for all, not just the Jews. So at this point, this interaction and what Jesus said and did that he listened, it had huge implications. and They were so huge. Jesus performed a miracle outside of the Jewish territory. And not only that, Jesus performed a miracle to someone who wasn't a Jew. You see, even the Jewish witnesses and those who would later read this, they would have been floored. They would have been outraged because Jews didn't associate with people who were not Jews, let alone help them. And to top it all off, she was a woman. I mean, socially speaking, in this context and in this time, most men didn't listen to women. And Jesus had the audacity to listen to her to hear her pain and then to do something about it, which did not make Jesus popular. And I want to, I just want to take a moment here and acknowledge that 2,000 years later, we still live in a time where there's racial division and gender inequality. And if you find yourself on the privileged side of this, you may never know just how far stopping, listening to, and advocating for someone will go. To tear apart unjust and just plain wrong divisions and inequality. And it starts by anyone and everyone stopping and listening. And the more the church does this, the more the church will look like Jesus. Jesus listened regardless of who was talking, and we're invited to do the same. Is there someone in your life, that someone that you might just find pretty hard to, to listen to? You're like, okay, Michael, I'm hearing you, but you don't know this one person. And this one person, we all have it, and I like to call this one person an EGR, an extra grace required person. <laughs> I don't know who your extra grace required person is or what the characteristics. Mine is like when you're talking with someone and, you know, there's a comfortable one to two feet in a normal social conversation, but they get like right there up to you and you're like, whoa, and you take a step back and they follow you and you take another step back and you're like, am I salsa dancing or trying to have a conversation? I don't know. But a lot of us have these EGRs. And I kind of feel like these extra grace required people know that they are, and they're just playing this game of making people feel uncomfortable, and they know that they're going to win it. <laughs> but with this person, with these people, the, the, the people that it's so hard to just listen to, what would it honestly take to just stop, maybe throw your pride away, and listen, to truly listen? And what if we began this practice of doing this to everyone? And what if we began this practice to do it to people who were different from us? <clears throat> so I always like to just kind of pause in my life and self-reflect. Um, 
if you know the Enneagram, I'm a seven, and when a seven goes to health, like five people know what I'm talking about right now, I go to a five, which is like to take a step back and just kind of see the big picture of things. When I do that, I'll often do that to try to be healthy. And I'll just, in, in one instance about this, when I was writing this talk, I, I took a step back and I thought, Michael, how many times do you honestly listen to people who are different from you? And not only that, how many times are, are, are how many times or how many different people in your, in your social circle or in the people that you talk to, how many of them are actually different from you who might look differently, look differently than me, talk differently than me, act differently than me, believe differently than I do? Because it's really easy to listen to someone who's just like you. What does your circle look like? What are the people that you talk to? And what would it look like to engage in conversations intentionally with someone who doesn't look like you, who doesn't talk like you, who doesn't act like you, who doesn't believe like you? And now I'm not suggesting that you throw away who you are or what you believe, but I'm saying to listen to and love through who you are and what you believe. To do as Jesus commands us, to, to love our neighbors. And Henry Nouwen has a, a really great uh, quote about this. He says, we become neighbors when we are willing to cross the road for one another. There's a lot of road crossing to do. We're all very busy in our own circles. We have our own people to go to and our own affairs to take care of. But if we could cross the road once in a while and pay attention to what is happening on the other side, we might indeed become neighbors. Now, the second way that we can learn to listen to others better is to make a connection. To listen to, to truly listen to someone and to make a connection with someone is to embody empathy. You see, empathy, I kind of like to see empathy as listening in the flesh. This is how we actively listen. And what's interesting about empathy is a lot of people confuse empathy with sympathy. And it's important to uh, to categorize these separately and understand what sympathy is, but really try to activate empathy. And with this, Brene Brown has an awesome thing to say about it, and I want to invite your attention to the screen to listen to what she has to say. Rarely a response is what makes something better. What makes something better is a connection. One of the most influential things that someone told me when I just became a pastor is to never neglect the ministry of presence. Because the ministry of presence is one of the most powerful ministries there are. And with the ministry of presence, you don't have to be a pastor to do it. Anyone can activate the ministry of presence because the ministry of presence is simply just going into the pit of someone else's circumstances, sitting with them, listening to them, and often at most saying, I don't know what to say right now. I'm just so glad that you told me. Because rarely a response is what makes something better. What makes something better is a connection. And that connection happens when we listen with empathy. It's the second point. Third point 
And the last way that we can learn to listen to others better is to learn to listen to God. In the Old Testament, in the book of Samuel, there's Samuel, he was, when he was a boy, his mother dedicated him to grow up in the temple and to live with Eli, who was a priest. You see, Samuel's life was dedicated to live for God. But when Samuel was young, he learned what it was like to listen to God. 1 Samuel 3 reads, One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual position. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. But Eli said, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. A third time, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that it was the Lord who was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down, as, and if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there calling as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, see, I am about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. Now, there's a difference between hearing and listening. It's one thing to hear. It's another thing to listen. When I was growing up, my mom always told me that I was hearing her, but I wasn't listening to her. That, that when she was saying something, it would go in one ear and just right out the, uh, right out the other. Because Motor Mouth Mike, <laughs> and when I got braces, they actually called me Metal Mouth Mike, which was really, really sad couple counseling sessions, just joking, um, because Motor Mouth Mike, when I was younger, I loved and loved to talk, but I was not so great at listening, and a lot of us, we can relate to that, which is why over and over and over again, Jesus would say, whoever has ears, let them hear, and what's interesting is that most people do have ears, but the word used for hear means to listen, and to comprehend what is being said. And over and over again, God was calling out to Samuel, and Samuel was hearing, but he didn't know that it was God. And it wasn't until Samuel found out that God was speaking to him that he responded, Speak, for your servant is listening. And God started to speak. And Samuel began to listen. And that conversation propelled Samuel into a lifelong journey of listening to and following God's word. Samuel led a nation. Samuel made kings. God used Samuel the moment that he began to listen, and God wants to use you to lead, 
to change, to love, to restore. And we have an invitation just like Samuel did that in just the, 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 the confusion that circumstances can bring, that in the middle of all of these other voices calling out to us that we can say above them, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening because God wants to do something in your life that will make the ears of everyone who hears it tingle. Something good. Something that only God can do And it starts with listening to his word, to his Holy Spirit, to his will. Jesus listened to God's will, and he gave his life for us so that we could be saved from eternal death. It was was the greatest act of love so that we can experience the greatest love. And and for those of us who have responded to this great love, we're called to share it. And one of the best ways that we can share that love is by listening. Because if you really want to love someone, you've really got to listen. And if you don't know who Jesus is, You can find me afterwards, find someone on our prayer team, find someone with a lanyard. We just want to listen to you. We want to hear where you're at. We want to hear your story, your journey. And then we want to share with you how tonight could be an intersection in that journey where God wants to show you his love. Now, I want to close with a challenge. I want to close with a challenge for all of you, and I'm going to put this challenge on myself. And this challenge is that this week, as you go, to find someone, just like one person. If you're an overachiever, you can have more than one, maybe two. But start with one. Find one person that you typically do not or would not listen to and actually listen to them. And it, it, maybe it could be someone at a coffee shop that you go to, at a restaurant that you go to. Maybe it could be uh, a, a, someone in your family that you don't really talk to, a coworker. Maybe it could be your neighbor. So I did not grow up, grow up in the Bay Area, but it's just I don't know my neighbor. People don't know their neighbors in the Bay Area. What if we listen to one of our neighbors? Maybe it's someone who just is, you know that's having a really tough time. The invitation is to, and it might just be, a minute or two extra than you normally would talk. Maybe it's like, how are you doing? They say, good. You say, really, how are you doing? I really want to listen. And for a few minutes, just listen. Maybe it's someone who you know that you need to go to coffee with or lunch or dinner. The invitation is for you to find that person and listen to them. God has called the church to love. But the church's pulpit is broken. Our influence, in a lot of ways, it's been shattered. But God wants to restore. He wants to fix that pulpit, fix that influence, because God loves the church. God loves everyone. But in order to really love someone, you've really got to listen. So let's do that this week. Let's pray. God, 
I pray that you just help us with this. Listening for me is one of the most challenging things to do, God, because my mind is always racing and I'm always thinking about me. And I know I'm not the only one there. I know we're all uniquely created differently, God, but our favorite person can often be us. Help change our hearts around this. Help restore us. God, whatever's blocking our ears, take it out. Help us listen to others. And God, maybe we need to start by listening to you. Maybe we can't make that step to truly love others, God, because we haven't truly understood or accepted that you love us. God, I know there's someone here right now that if you were having a real conversation with them, they would say, you don't love me, God. There's hurt. There's pain. There's doubting. There's suffering. God, rise above those voices and let them hear yours. Show us how to listen. We all need to know that we're loved, God. Show us how to listen to your spirit saying, I love you. You're worth it. You mean the world to me. I gave the world up to you. And God, as we hear that and as we embody that for our own lives and in our reality, help us then listen to others so we can learn how to communicate that love to the world. Help us be the church that you modeled, Jesus. Help us listen and help us love. In your name we pray.